We did have an amazing interview. I have to tell you, she sent me the questions late last night that she wanted to pursue. I was so impressed. The questions are really great. They were very thoughtful questions. They pointed to someone who is a thinker and someone who is reaching for, you know, the spiritual ground you and I have talked about and worked on. She comes out from that ground, the, the, the ground of self-inquiry. This is the perfect way to start your day, start your business, start your life, change your mentality, understand where your powerfulness comes from. She can help you get there. She gives great advice. She has so much wisdom, so much that you can learn from her. I feel more powerful, in control, and more creative after listening to Sabrina's podcast. I wish I were creating this podcast. Welcome to the Success with Sabrina podcast, sponsored by Time Strategic Consulting Group. Hear from successful businessmen and businesswomen and how they became successful sharing tips and techniques with you to foster change and build success with ease and flow, helping you overcome your toughest trials and biggest challenges to finally go for it and make money and create the epic life that you deserve. To get more information about our consulting, public speaking, and business success membership club, go to www.timestrategic.com. Hello and welcome to Success with Sabrina podcast. I have Jeff Hunter here today. Hey, Jeff. Say hi to the audience. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Now, Jeff, uh, I know that you've been working with clients on branding and for about 10 years now, right? This is when you launched your business about 10 years ago. You know, the branding side of the business is new. It's only been about two and a half years, um, but I've, I've been building virtual teams and IT project management for the past, you know, 12, 15 years almost. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And you have a staffing, like a virtual staffing business too. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. VA Staffer is a virtual assistant staffing agency. We've got like 85. I think she hired more. So maybe more than that. But um, yeah, that's all that business pretty much runs itself. I just show up and act like I know what I'm doing every day. Love it. Love it. Turnkey. It's all systematized. And yes. And I know that you've traveled a lot, too. So before you you started like really heavily uh becoming an entrepreneur were you just like a backpacker or what <laughs> no i i really you know i've always liked to travel but um back in i would say 2016 was when i said you know what i left my corporate job i've always kind of had a full-time job my whole life and but i've always had little side hustles you know but nothing that ever really turned into like a business business, you know, I don't even think I had a business license for my own self until 2014. So I'm a pretty fledgling entrepreneur if you put it in a context, but I've always kind of done little side hustles here in the gig economy before it was the gig economy. But what's really interesting is that in 2016, I quit my corporate job and I took my wife and my three-year-old son at the time and and literally left to the Philippines. And we, we basically lived there for an entire month, um, building out majority of my workforce that I've got for the virtual assistant company. Um, it's been really incredible. I had, you know, probably 20 or so people that I had hired uh, within that time frame of a year or two. Um, didn't know what the heck I was doing, of course, like most entrepreneurs. Didn't have a support system, didn't have mentors, didn't have... All I had was just Google and trying to figure things out, right? Power of will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where there's a will, there's a way, right? And Absolutely. and and base, you know, funny enough, I I validated my virtual assistant business by going on Fiverr back when it was still five bucks, uh -huh. and I was selling. I would hire a virtual assistant for like three dollars an hour, and then I would go on Fiverr and like say I would manage your Twitter account or get you followers for five bucks or whatever. And what's funny is I would typically, 
I, I won't say I lost money, but let's just say there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot to be made on five dollars. That's actually a very strong lesson I learned early on in building my own business, which is, you know, you have to be very careful about how you price yourself if you're going to run an hourly type business because it it takes so much it takes so much work to earn money, and you know if your profit margin isn't at least you know fifty to one hundred percent, then you're going to find out really quickly when expenses and hosting and Fiverr takes their 20% and everyone, and you know, it's just, you're done. So you've got to, I had a really big wake up call that year of 2016, trying to figure out how to turn my hobby into a profitable business. Absolutely. You know, which brings me to this, uh, this point that I make with a lot of my clients, which is to understand the difference between fixed price and value price. Right. Right. Because once you understand uh, that you can price, you know, differently uh, according to really the value that you're aggregating to your clients' uh, business and life and not so much, you know, the, the old way of pricing things. And maybe somebody who's watching this could, can hopefully learn something from this because you'll notice on my hat, I don't know if it's backwards or not, but it says branded media on it. Yes. This is the branding agency that I started two and a half years ago, back in, uh, well, actually, August of 2018, so not even two years ago. And that's like um, even more impressive, honestly, because I thought you had this business for so long, and you're hitting some big numbers there. You know, I know that you've you've had a thousand plus clients, uh, paying clients, which I love that you wrote that. <laughs> you know, and, and one of the things that attracted me to to your work, uh, Jeff, is, is really something that I want to dive into later. Uh, which is just that the very candid and blunt way of being and telling it like like it is, you know. Um, so I wanted to ask you later. We're gonna address. I have like a, yeah. a question that I want to ask about that. Um, yeah. But how did you do it, man? So quickly like that. Like, let's define success for you. When will Jeff Hunter know that he's made it? Like he's there. Like I'm successful. You know, uh, what is success to you? You know, I think it, success is inside. You know, I, I've been very fortunate. You know. Years ago, I, I I got a mentor who has become a really good friend over the years. And shout out to Tony Grubmeyer. I'm talking about you, Tony, who I remember three years ago, we had lunch together in a hotel in San Diego. And we just talked about my business. You know, he's an eight figure guy. He's doing really well. He's he's what back then I would I would define my my own version of success. And he looked at me straight in the face and he said, Jeff, you need to double your prices. And I was like, wow. Like in my head, I was thinking, this guy's crazy, you know? And he was like, no, Jeff. He's like, you really need to. He's like, you know, people aren't going to really respect you and treat you differently based on how you pay, how you, how much you are charging them. And, and people, if you want people to, uh, people, they, there's a saying, people that pay, pay attention. Um, and it's very interesting because it, it turned out to be true. I, I did end up doubling my prices and I have ever since every, every year forward since 2016. And, um, back to what I was getting at even earlier with the branded media versus VA staffer is that there's some things that you can charge hourly and then there's things that you can, and there's things that you should charge hourly and there's things that you shouldn't. And, uh, it depends a lot on your industry. So for me, my virtual assistant company, there's really only two ways to price things by what you get done on a task level or the hour that somebody works. So I actually have a combination of that at VA Staffer that I've just recently done, which is basically a pooled hours. So when people invest and hire uh, my team, they have two options. They can either have a dedicated virtual assistant for a set price which is at an hourly rate, or they can buy a block of hours, say 20, 50, or 100 hours a month that they can use. But instead of being stuck, I, I shouldn't say stuck, but it's true. When you hire a dedicated assistant, you get a person. You're stuck with that person, right? Their skill sets, their ability to grow, you're stuck with that person. Um, what I did was I changed our model at VA Staffer to become a pooled hours so that you can, you can basically buy 20, 50, or 100 hours a month, and then you could leverage all the different people on my team. I've got graphic designers. I've got web developers. I have social media people. I have executive assistants. 
I have all sorts of different people with different talents and skill sets you could leverage. So for VA staffer, that's the model. But at branded media, it's a results-based, outcome-based pricing. So for example, if you wanted a website done or if you wanted a graphic brand guide done or whatever the heck it is you need done, there's a set price and that there's a set deliverable, right? Um, and they're both right. They're not wrong. You know, I, I hate when people say, ah, oh, you shouldn't be pricing this. You shouldn't be charging that or you should change your payment model, whatever. It, it's just that it works. You have to find what works. And I think that not enough people go into testing what works. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's your game, your rules at the end of the day, right? And that's what we live for, you know, is setting the kind of goals that will make something of us to achieve it, right? Like, and so we start to play with things and see if it works or it doesn't, right? So I think the most important question in business really is like, does it work? And if it's not working, how can I get it to work, right? So I love that kind of like um, free spirit, uh, really like creative uh, way of looking at things. Um, now you've been featured in so many big media, like Entrepreneur Inc., Forbes, uh, Digital Marketer. Um, how did you land so many great exposures? Really, like I want to know. I think our, our the people that are going to be watching on the replay, the people that are going to be listening to it in the podcast, um, they want to know how how did that all come about? You know what? That's probably the number one thing that I get asked. I don't get at, I mean, sometimes I'll get asked about VA staff or branded media, or whatever. But it's funny because everyone always asks me, like, how did you, you know, get where you're at? How Because literally, like I said, I, I left the corporate world in 2016. And if you think about it, that's not a lot of time, right? Four years um, for me to speak. Just in November of last year, I spoke 45 minutes before Gary Vaynerchuk at Digital Agency Expo, which is put on by Digital Marketer. I'm faculty at Digital Marketer. Uh just last week, I was featured on Entrepreneur Radio, which is their their weekly podcast. Um, you know, I would say the number one way of doing that is by having very intentional content, knowing your audience, and building actual relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people always talk about business to business or B2C and whatever, but I'm all about H2H, human to human, right? Uh, I have something that I've developed. It's funny because it's, it's, it's crazy how many people they have zero direction on how to build their own personal brand. And they just throw things out on the wall. And even with podcasters too, like it's amazing how many people are broke podcasters. And I'm like, you know, for me, I started my own podcast, Savage Marketer. I got it. I got, I got that right there see that savage marker i even have it etched in glass on my computer right there see that Uh, this is my podcast the machine (laughs) and being intentional with your brand it really it really comes down to four fundamental qualities which i call core it's an acronym and the first c is about developing a connection connection a deep emotional connection to your audience making them understand you making them feel like you understand them that's an important thing. Do you are you able to relate with that audience? And once there's a connection made, you develop something that is really special, right? You you can start building that relationship and and that's what people are all about. People long for relationships. People want to be heard. People want to feel acknowledged. People want to be appreciated. Yeah. And that's all part of building that connection. The second piece of the core is oh, omnipresence. It's not about being everywhere. It's just being where your audience is, right? Whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on entrepreneur.com, you know, podcast, whether it's on the Digital Agency Expo, whether it's in front of the agency owners. Like for me, I, most of my clients are marketing agencies. I, I A lot of our team like helps support growing businesses. So obviously it's important for me to be in front of growing businesses, right? So I love working with agencies. So I was able to strategically build relationships with the staff over at Digital Marketer. And I was invited to Austin, Texas to speak twice and help, you know, teach a couple things about content marketing and branding. Um, And actually, after the coronavirus thing hit, they invited me to do a virtual summit to their thousands of people, uh, the thousands of members on how to build a virtual team, how to build a remote team, how to 
thrive in a remote economy, right? Because we weren't able to go to work, most of us. And a lot of us were told that our business isn't essential. Right, right. And and with the new normal, a lot of companies now are that never even considered are, yeah. are it, it used to be a luxury. Now it's a necessity, right? To have a remote team. How lucky you are, man. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, there's, it, there's, it's a good time to be called the king of outsourcing, which is the nickname I've, I've garnished over the past yeah. couple of years. Um, but, but after omnipresence, which is about having an intentional, how you show up across multiple platforms, wherever that may be, the, 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 uh, the third piece is about, to me, I feel like it's actually the most important. Of course, building a connection is important. Of course, omnipresence is important. But this is what's really key, okay? Relevance. Relevance. Are you relevant to your target audience, okay? And this is how you develop relevance. You have to first understand what is your brand promise? What is your core promise is what I call it, your core promise. What is it that you do? So if I say, because you asked me earlier, you're like, oh, look, you know that my brand promises that I help business owners, leaders basically become influencers in their space by leveraging their achievements, right? That's that's what I do. I, I help founders and CEOs become influencers in their space by by leveraging their their achievements. That's that's what I do. So whether that's by helping them build their brand virtually, whether that's on social media, whether that's helping them build their brand is customer service is a huge part of your brand. You know, pe a lot of people think your brand is just a cover photo and a logo. It's not right. Yeah. I like what Jeff Bezos says. Jeff Bezos says that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's a really powerful way of saying it. Yes. So your relevance is about understanding your promise. The next piece of understanding your promise is why in the world should people believe you? Why would people believe me that that's what I do? And that's when it comes down to the quintessential things, what I call the five pillars of expertise. The five pillars of expertise are what are the five things that are super valuable and critical that you know that make you an expert in your field? So for me, branding is obviously important. Social media is, is important for me to develop you as an influencer. You have to do that. If you want, if you really truly want to harness the power of social media, then you need to know inbound marketing. I love inbound marketing. I love SEO. I love, you know, funnels, all that kind of stuff is inbound marketing. Obviously, if I'm going to say I can do this and I have an awesome team to help do this for you, I need to be good at building virtual teams, right? And to get the story across and actually become valuable and almost, I would say, uh, luring to people, you have to be able to have good copywriting, right? So those are the five things that I'm really good at, right? And those are the things that all my content's developed at. But it doesn't stop there. This is what I'm. This is the thing, Sabrina, because people are like, "Oh, how did you get on this? How did you get on that?" You have. You're. Everyone says they're an expert, right? We live in a whole world of experts. Everyone's an expert, but you're not really an expert until other recognized experts say that you are would you agree with that absolutely i mean so that's so that's the thing after you have your expert topics your right your your pillars of expertise you have to say who's already an established expert in that industry that i can align myself with that i can build a relationship with so that i'm one of the guys right or i'm one of the girls right like i want to be part of the crew right like how can I establish myself as an expert in that industry? So I've developed relationships with people that are at the top of the inbound marketing game. I've developed relationships with the people at the top of the copywriting game. I've developed relationships with the people at the top of the branding campaign. Matter of fact, the guy who helped me come up and, and create this, the core branding method, his name's Doug Harrison. He's the guy who created the happiness campaign for Coca-Cola. If you've ever seen a, a polar bear and a penguin, Drinking a Coca-Cola out in the snow, that's Doug Harrison. He's created the happiness campaign. He's worked for IBM, Microsoft, you know, Amazon, Disney, you name it. He's done huge campaigns for these guys, and he helped me develop this method. And I've built an amazing relationship with him to do so. Mm -hmm. I didn't just magically wake up and say, hey, I wonder if this guy would help me develop this out. I built a relationship with him, and he offered to help. I love that. 
So, so that that's the key. That's the missing key, Sabrina, is that you have to have intentional content. You have to show people that they're that why you're relevant, and then you have to develop the relationships that are out there. Mm-hmm. The last piece, the E, that's my favorite. That's engagement. Engagement is proof that it's all working. Engagement is getting the likes and the comments and people pro- showing you the, their support. Engagement is so important, but it's not just engagement you receive. It's about engagement that you also give. Mm-hmm. When you build relationships with people, you can comment on their stuff. You can like their stuff on social media. You can send them a damn letter. You can send them a hat. I just got a, I just got a, I don't know if people are going to be able to see this, but I just got a, a, a message from somebody who sent me a picture. She's in Ireland. Okay. And she's one, I was a guest on her podcast and she was just in love with the Savage Marketer brand. Uh, matter of fact, I was wearing my Savage Marketer hat. Here, I'll switch hats for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? Wearing multiple hats, right? As all entrepreneurs do. Right. And she was like, I love the brand. It's so fun. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'll ship you a hat. I said, I even have a pink one. She goes, oh, my God. You know, because she's a she's in the branding, too. She says, oh, I love pink. You know I'm all about pink. And I was like, well, I'll send you one. Well, I didn't know it was going to cost 160 bucks to to get a hat over there, but I did it anyway because it's you're worth it. Word, right? You said you're going to do it, so then you did it. I love that. And right now, if you guys are watching the live stream right now, it's 10:54 a.m. So here, literally an hour less than less than an hour and a half ago, I can see. Oh, come on, is it going to work? There it goes. I can see that at 9:24, Juliet sent me. And she, she's all excited saying that she got her box in the mail. And look at that nice touch. Look at that Savage Marketer branded box that came in the mail. See that? She already sent a photo, which she doesn't want me to share, but there it is. Right? <laughs> and she's so excited. She goes, this isn't for the public. I need to dress up, put my makeup on, whatever. But this is just fab, right? And that's the thing. You want people to be so excited and motivated for what you're doing that the, the, it's not, you know, I hate when people say I want to raving fans, whatever. It's not about raving fans. It's about do people really value what you're doing and do they see the effort that you're putting into it enough to be on the team with you, right? Like, do people feel involved? Do they feel a part of what you're doing? Is it a movement? And if it's not, you might have to rethink and say, how can I make this something that people want to jump on? So we're talking about engagement here, right? Because I've I've heard you giving examples, and obviously by being in the industry, I've seen this happening too, Jeff. So many people have thousands and thousands of followers, uh, yet they can't sell a thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. With like a lot less, like in terms of numbers, and I just learned this, uh, you know, English is my second language, and the other day I said lesser or fewer, and I was like kind of confused with that. But they have a lot less the number of followers, yet they have so much more engagement, right? So what is the key to engagement, really? The key to engagement is simple. One, well, there's really, well, there's more than four, but let's just say three. I'm going to give you three, okay? If you guys follow these three basic things, you'll be just fine. But number one is you have to think about, is the audience going to resonate with my message, right? Is it something that that is relevant to what they're thinking about? So, for example, you know who's the king at this? Yeah. Trump. Love him or hate him, this dude is a master marketer, and he knows how to get people riled up. He knows how to be polarizing enough to make his fan base love him and his enemies hate him enough to engage on his content. See the haters? They comment, and so do the lovers. And guess what? He wins either way. Okay? Engagement is engagement. (laughs) So publicity or positive publicity yeah matter of fact i'm pretty sure it was trump that said back in the day that there's no such thing as bad publicity but unless you're jeffrey epstein okay (laughs) who didn't kill himself (laughs) so 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 number one is be relevant to your audience and and make sure that the content you're putting out there is something that makes people feel now this is moving into the second piece i call it the hero okay you're either the hero or the anti-hero. 
Okay. You're either the person that people admire or despise. It's really tough today to build a mediocre brand, which means you need to call out a villain. Okay. Trump is good at calling out the liberal Democrats or whatever, right? He calls them all out. You know who else is great at this? One of my clients, True Earth. True Earth is a fantastic brand. They're doing millions of dollars a month uh, in sales. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but oh well. Um, and you know what they make? They make a tear-off, it's a tear-off laundry detergent strip, okay? It's a strip. It's awesome. It's brilliant. It's it's almost the size of like a piece of gum and you drop it into the washer machine. It dissolves. That's your soap. It washes your clothes. And they declare a villain, an enemy, which is plastic jugs, plastic containers. Mm -hmm. They come in a biodegradable paper sleeve, tear off tab, friendly, eco-friendly, zero waste. Boom, boom, boom. The enemy is the 7 million plastic jugs a month that get discarded. Right. Right. And that's that's crazy. Right. Seven million. So I think that they've shown that they've saved like over 700 or 800 million jugs of of plastic jugs that that just get discarded just by people using their product. And I'm sure the numbers astronomically higher since that since I learned that number. So that's number two. Right. Pick an enemy. (laughs) Right. Because you want to either be the hero or you want to be hated. Okay. (laughs) Right. And that's just how it is. You know, yeah, a lot of it, notice. Uh, people want to have boring brands, boring, you know, yeah. and the third piece is create content that actually is fun. Create content that people want to watch. You know, I had the pleasure of interviewing Ty Lopez. I don't know if, if you know who he is, but he's a huge Internet. I'm pretty sure he was the first really big, famous Internet marketer. And Ty Lopez, he's really big on YouTube, right? Very big. Matter of fact, that's where he started everything on YouTube. He was just, he would, he would run ads on everyone's YouTube. Like he would have an hour long video (laughs) in front of every video on YouTube. Right. And, and he started doing it on Facebook and now he's just huge. But I had the, I had the, uh, the joy of interviewing him just a quick little interview. I think it was two minutes long or something. And I just asked him, I said, you know, if you had advice for anyone who's just starting out and they're trying to get the best bang for their buck on marketing, what would you do? And you know what he said? Do a Super Bowl quality commercial. And what I mean is it doesn't have to be long, 30, 60 seconds, right? But it needs to have some emotion. It needs to build some character. It needs to actually drive people to take action. And by the way, it can't be boring. So I would say, don't be boring, be a little polarizing and write and and either write or do video on topics that really matter to your audience. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's so awesome. Awesome content, you guys. Now, do you think competition, the old way, you know, the old way of doing business competition, right? Um, What substitutes this and what is the role branding is going to play on this so-called new normal? Wow. Well, first off, I think it goes back to what I said earlier about how everyone's an expert. And, and let's address this real quick because I wanted to say, what is the difference since we're going this route? I'll recap the question for you later if we get you know sidetracked. But is there a difference between an expert and an authority? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. You know, an, an expert is there's a lot of experts. There's a lot of people that are really good at what they do, but they can't charge anything because they aren't a recognized expert, right? There's a lot of people that graduate with crazy degrees in mathematics that can't, you know, can't get a job. Um, you know, becoming an authority is about becoming recognized, becoming an, a recognized expert, and, and becoming really. Uh, I hate the word influencer, but let's just say a trusted authority in your space, right? Um, you know, for me, it's it's crazy for me to think that in less than three years, I would be an authority in the branding space. If somebody would have told me that four years ago, I'd have been laughing my ass off. Um, but it's happened. And, uh, you know, it's happened because I was very intentional with my content. 
and I was very intentional with my relationships. Um, and this is this is what's important. But you know, kind of going back to your 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 question, I think what's important is that you have to really start aligning yourself as a thought leader. You need to start, you know, putting out content. And that, that's something that people really hate doing, you know. And by the way, I hate doing it too. That's why I started a podcast. Uh-huh. I started a podcast that I'd have a reason to create content. And usually those podcasts go 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And there's usually value bombs and nuggets that I say or that my interviewees say that turns into content that helps me establish myself as an authority in my space, right? And I think that that's really the key. I think the things that we can start doing to, you know, get ahead in our industry, it's not even that hard. Like recognize, you said competition here. If you, if people like, by the way, people talk about, oh, collaboration, not competition. I love competition. It's fun. I love it. I think it's great. And the best way to compete is to say, who's the person right now in my industry who's the top dog and how do I beat him? Right. Him or her, of course. Right. I meant them. Who are they? Whether it's a company, a person, a podcaster, whoever it is, and say, what are they doing and how can I do more? How can I achieve something better? And that's what I did when I started Savage Marketer. I looked at the top podcasts in my industry and I said, who are the top podcasts and what are they doing? And I said, I want to do it better. So now I have an evergreen content strategy. My stuff's being chopped up all the time. I've got dedicated video editors and graphic designers and stuff making all the graphics for it and the branding and doing video trailers and doing video value bombs. Like I've got everything out there. I'm like, I'm looking at Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm saying, this is what he's doing. We're doing better. You know, and like (laughs) that's what I'm aiming for. You know, like I'm not as sexy and fun as Gary, you know, Um, not that he's that sexy anyway. But, you know, um, maybe to some people on LinkedIn, he's a hit. You know, he's a young man on LinkedIn. (laughs) On TikTok, he's blowing up. Yeah. But, you know. In, in, in all reality, though, you know, there's something to be said and not enough people are setting the bar high enough, you know, and what I've found is if you just do one percent better than the person at the top, just one percent better, people notice, right? Because I get all the time, I get other podcasters coming to me saying, dude, I love how you're doing that. How do you do it? What are you doing? And I say, well, I have a team over here if you want to do it, right? And usually they'll say, oh, let's do it. And then I tell them the price and like, well, maybe next time, (laughs) right? I'm not going to lie. I invest a lot of money into my production, you know? Um, But I see it this way. Like this is evergreen content. This This is content that I can reuse for anything and everything my entire life. When I die, this stuff is going to be there. Yeah, it's legacy for sure. You know what? That goes back to your definition of success. What kind of legacy am I going to leave? I think success isn't just money in my pocket. You know, like money comes and money goes. You know, I've had good years. I've had bad years. I'm in the middle of a good year, thank God. But I think that, you know, now that I've made, you know, millions of dollars, uh, don't know where any of it went, but I've made millions of dollars. Um, you know, I look back and I, I see you know, what really made me successful. And it's funny because the more successful I get, the more I realize how successful I'm not, right? But at the same time, I'm able to also understand and comprehend that success is inside. And that's something that, like I was giving Tony Grebmeyer credit for, he has a a thought, uh, he has a theory, he has a, a, a brand called Be Fulfilled. And success to me, and especially from what I'm learning from Tony, is that fulfillment is success. Yeah. Fulfillment. When do you feel fulfilled? A lot of rich people never feel fulfilled. Yeah, exactly. And it's also another word that I really like is the, the feeling of being self-actualized. Mm. That's another one. Self-actualized. 
Yeah, it goes right in hand with being fulfilled. Is is becoming a self actualized individual. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. That's perfect. Jeff, Perfecto. You so many questions for you. Look at this. You know. <laughs> oh my God! Let's go. Let's do it. Thirty four minutes already. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing that I really want to ask you because, and I'm gonna like find this question here, but it had to do with your bluntness. And I wanted to ask you if your bluntness has ever gotten you in trouble with a client. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's got me in trouble with the copywriter that I really respect. And uh, he was a business partner. And, uh, you know, we had some rough, we had a rough patch where, you know, I was, and the sad part is it wasn't even his fault. It was a web developer that I was working with, who's also a good guy, and we've passed things up. But one time, you know, they didn't do what I felt they promised me in, in our agreement. And, you know, I I was frustrated and, and I got ghosted, like they just ignored me and stuff. So I wrote a post about it, about how I literally wrote a post about how I said, never pay someone until they finish a job. And you did that on Facebook or where? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I wrote a post about how, you know, like, and I wasn't like being specific to call them out, but I was, but I definitely said my, my, my mind, which was that, you know, if I said something along the lines of, if you're not getting customer service now, if you're not getting response now when they when you when you owe them money imagine their response time after you've paid them something like that and he disappeared man and then you know not too long ago maybe a month or so ago i i finally got a text message back from him and he said that he lost respect for me because i put our life out there for everyone to see and even though no one knew it was him i was talking about you know he took it personally and I regret it, you know, like uh, in a way, I mean, but then again, you know, you have to just, you have to just understand that, you know, some things need to be said and some things don't. And you have to, you have to pay the consequences if you're going to live a life of vulnerability and, 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 you know, you know, there's lots of things that I, I probably shouldn't share. And there's probably things that I should share that I don't share. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a decision that we have to make. Yeah, exactly. And, and especially, you know, and what I will warn people too is be careful about your political spectrum. You know, there's people that are open and people that aren't, you know. And when you own, like, for example, Ben and Jerry's, you know, like, I don't like their political opinions, but I like their ice cream, so I buy it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to make that decision. There's people that don't buy Ben and Jerry's ice cream because of their political of you know uh, affiliation. There's people that don't buy at certain things because of their belief system. There's people that won't eat at Chick Fil A because they don't believe in their belief system. There's people that don't you know that 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 won't. There's people that don't like to serve police officers because they don't like police officers. I mean, there's you know that's crazy but i mean that that's the reality there's people out there so you just have to you just have to say look if you're going to take a stand for your beliefs then you have to be prepared to deal with people that don't like your beliefs yeah exactly because you know what we're talking about here uh you know for the ones that are watching on the replay it's really about you know polarizing yourself making a stand right like planting your flag somewhere and standing for something right but in the process of doing that you will be you know, crossing some unchattered territory and there will be things that are, aren't going to be all pleasant, right? That you'll have to deal with. That when I get hurt, you know, I'm always reminding myself, hey, an athlete plays hurt, right? Mm -hmm. There's times that we're going to be in the playing field and we're going to get burned. We're going to say the wrong thing. And like I've heard you say before, the internet is forever, you know? So yes, there's, there's things that we're going <laughs> to... Dude, that we're gonna that's be like true that's oh. true you got to be careful the internet the internet's forever yeah and, and not the best move you know but hey we're all learning and growing right? what i will tell you is that you know even my political posts that i make and nobody likes my position i'm more of a libertarian so you know republicans don't like me democrats don't like me you know for those of you listening internationally you know that's our conservative versus liberal spectrum 
And, you know, I'm kind of like in the middle, sort of. I'm, I'm actually, I'm more of the extreme on both sides, um, which, which doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, I, uh, and sometimes for me, I'm all about the individual rights of people. So a, a lot of people don't agree with me about things that, you know, for example, I don't believe that the government should regulate who you sleep with and who you marry. I also don't believe they should regulate who can own a gun, right? These are things I just don't believe the government should regulate. And when I put things out there like that, people get blown away. I put a thing out there talking about how I don't agree with the commercialization of all these, you know, gay pride month or gay pride week or whatever else. And, you know, and then I compare it to Christmas. I said, Christmas is no longer Christmas. It's about buying presents and Christmas trees and lights and whatever else. And who, who can decorate their house the coolest? Right. Like it's lost the meaning. And, and like with most things, they lose meaning, just like the new the Black Lives Matter movement right now. Right. It was about protesting police brutality uh, and and how treatment of uh, of individuals are is even obviously, you know, and, and bringing race into it and looking at how they treat, you know, different minorities versus white people and this and that. But then. It just became an excuse for people to go riot, loot, steal, destroy. Now they're toppling towers and monuments and things like that. It's lost the meaning. It's not about George anymore. And when you say things like that, you're going to trigger people. You're going to make them upset. And by the way, you have to remember something. You can't use logic on emotional people. And you have to use emotion on emotional people. And you have to use logic on logical people. Okay. So you have to you have to figure out how to do that. And, you know, for me, it's been an interesting balance. I, I would say that as a copywriter, I have a little bit of an advantage. I, I think that when you learn how to tell a good story, you're able to win the hearts and minds of people. And even those who don't agree with you can at least see the validity of your opinion. And I think that's the common divide that we need to focus on. Yeah, I think, you know, I I, I read this book um, a while back and it's called, um, and man, it's such an old book, you know, but it, ta- it talks about like the name of the book is um, Killing Ourselves with Entertainment or something like that, you know. And it talks about how in the old days, you know, people were able to follow an argument and stay tuned and stay focused for such a period, a long period of time, because they had that intellectual capability of following a line of thought. And, you know, and we're losing that nowadays because things are so quick, you know, and and, yeah. and the aspect that you were talking about, make it fun, you know. Um, so then sometimes, you know, for the sake of making it entertaining, we lose a little bit of that content, you know. And I think it's, it's, it's very difficult nowadays to... You know, you can make something fun for a short period of time, but then eventually, you know, you have to get down to the needy ingredient of what you're trying to. Portray. You know, and, and I think a lot of that, though, is just because uh, we've seen almost a de-evolution of humankind. Um, and I think it probably stems from a broken education system. And, you know, from a very young age, parents just hand their ch- children off to somebody else to raise them. Uh, and I'm going to interrupt you, but, you know, it's interesting because actually my, my oldest goes to a self-directed learning school. So it's uh-huh. a school and, um, and it's a Sudbury model, you know, and it's interesting because I totally agree with that, that we have deposited too much on someone else's hands, you know, responsibility right. like for our knowledge, our growth, all of that. Right. And then especially yeah. for entrepreneurs, when we realize that no one's going to tell us how to manage our time. Yeah. No that one means- teaches how to like what step by step, what it is that is required of us, you know, and, and, and there's no guarantees either. Right. Like right. You're told all your life, like do this, 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 and you'll get a good grade. Right. And then we become an entrepreneur and we're so lost. And I see so many clients coming to me and they come to me and they say, just tell me what to do. Just, you know, make it easier for me. And I think that's so interesting. You know, now we're starting to get into the good stuff because that's one of the things I just wrote a Facebook post about. I just, I mean, I, I, I'm going to send you a link after this, but I just literally wrote a, a post about just education in general and how broken it is. 
you know, uh, Trump, President Trump, he recently signed an executive order. It was on Friday. And I don't know if you saw this, but he signed an executive order on Friday that removed the the degree requirement from government jobs. So you do not have to have a bachelor's degree now. And this is following in line with most of the corporate world now, like the tech world, like Google, Microsoft, IBM, Apple, all of them removed the degree requirement. And it's very interesting here because we're seeing a trend here, right? Like would someone like Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs, who, by the way, both dropped out of college. Graduated, you guys. Never graduated. They never graduated. They went and pursued their passion. Should they be penalized because they decided to drop out and focus on a passion? And think about that. I mean, Steve Jobs was a revolutionary force, right? There's other people, too, like the founder of Uber, right? The founder of all these different companies, right? Like you have all these people, a lot of them, founder of Twitter, like a lot of these people, they didn't even finish college because they they got super passionate. They became entrepreneurs like us. They're like, let's go, right? Yeah. Now, here's here's what's crazy. I went to college for 12 years. I, I had enough to graduate twice. And I went to George Washington University and got my project management certificate and all sorts of stuff, you know, to c- pursue my career. And I look back and maybe there were two or three classes in 12 years that I still use today, which were probably accounting classes and corporate tax law. And even there, it's funny because now I hire, now that I've made enough money, I hire an accountant and a tax person, right? So I don't do that anyway, but it was useful in the first couple of years. Um, But I look at the education system now and I, and I say, does this really help our kids we're creating a whole generation of entitled kids that believe that they, you know, and, and the thing is, grade school, it teaches you how to go to high school. High school teaches you how to go to college. College teaches you how to go to, you know, get your master's degree, or your doctorate. It doesn't teach you how to be successful in life. Yeah. Well, you know, what I love with that is that it opens up freedom for people, for the ones that really want to be there. You know, I'm not putting it down. I think, you know, that there's so much value in teaching us how to think. And that's really what college should be doing. Right. But you're not yeah. going to be there unless you want to be there. <laughs> so, you know, if you're doing it for the wrong reason, if you're doing it because that's what's expected or what you're supposed to do, it's almost like the guarantee so that you can be successful in life. Right. Going back to the success topic. Yeah. You know? And mm. you're there for the wrong reason. You don't want to be there. Obviously, you're not going to be a contribution you're going to be on the way of the ones that want to be there, right? Yeah. So it's really about the freedom and opening up the space to, hey, find out who you are, find out what success means to you, and go for it, right? And you know what? Great, go for it. If it's not, man, do something else with your time. That That's exactly it. And, and you know, like for me, freedom and liberty are very important, you know, like America, right? <laughs> Um, but what's really, what's really interesting. And, you know, that's, that's that libertarian coming out in me. Like I'm, I'm, I stand up for the smallest minority, the individual, that's the smallest minority, you know, um, doesn't matter what color or sex or whatever you are. I'm looking out for the rights of the individual. What are the rights that I have? What are the rights that you have? That's what I care about. And, uh, not just America, but I, of course I care about the world, but you know, we, we are privileged here to live in America. You know, people talk about white privilege and this and that. <laughs> Anyone born in America is privileged. And you know that not being born here, right? So uh, for myself, I've been to several, several, several countries. Um, I've been to Korea, Japan. I've been to the Philippines 15 times. I've been to Australia. I've been to New Zealand. I've been to Mexico, many places in Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, Cruz de Guanacaste. Cancun, like you name it. I've been to a bunch of different areas, you know, some touristy spots. Yes, because my wife likes that. (laughs) But but the point is, is that, you know, I think that it's very hard as an American to understand how good you have it until you go outside of America. You know what I'm saying? Where most of the country is still today. You're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Right. Where are you from, Sabrina? 
I'm originally from Brazil, but I lived Brazil. in Brazil. Ah. So you yeah. speak Portuguese. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So in Brazil, I don't know if you're guilty until proven innocent. Um, you know, one of the, the, the hardest parts about this country is is the is not having the freedom to, to be who you are because you know the the the, the division of wealth is so clear, right? In Brazil. Yeah, so people usually follow the safe route. They go, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a, a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. Like they go for the safe, uh, I guess, careers, you know, because they have a better chance of success, right? Wow. And then you meet with all these people that, you know, that they live lives that just doesn't belong to them. You know, it's just, it's, and that's the privilege I think that we have here is that uh, we are free to choose who we want to be. There's a saying here in America that says, if you were born or or start poor in America, that's not your fault. But if you die poor in America, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, fire under your, you know. To yeah, you know, uh, my my wife's family are the epitome. I mean, they're the perfect example of the American dream. They came over here from Mexico. They're from Mexico City. You know, they started very humble. My my wife's father's first my father-in-law's first job here in america was a a cook at wendy's flipping hamburgers right and then he then they were picking in the fields they were doing fruit you know there's a big labor movement uh back in the 70s and 80s even up into the 90s um and then they he ended up getting a job working for uh foster farms which is a you know a chicken and root and uh turkey company and he became a ranch hand you know shoveling poop and then he became a ranch owner or a ranch operator which is someone who lives on the ranch and has his own people working for him and then he became a truck driver you know like this is the this is what's beautiful you know people this is the this is the one thing that that actually i i don't see eye to eye with trump on well there's a lot but you know there's this make america great again you know what makes America great isn't that you can get rich because you can get rich in almost every country, right? You can become rich in Brazil if you know the right person, if you have a connection in the government. Uh, but you can still get rich if you know the right people, right? If you come up with an – if you're super smart and you come up with something amazing, right? Yeah, I mean they're going to take all your money in taxes. You know, the more money <laughs> – you can figure something out. I'm sure, you know, you can like – you can, I guess – you know, every, you know, it's funny. Every Brazilian that I've met in America thinks like you and same with Cuban. Most of the Cubans, too. They come over here and they're just like, hell no, we don't want to go back to socialism. Um, but what's really interesting is that, you know, what makes America great isn't that you can get rich because you, you can still get rich in every country. If you know the right people, if you're smart enough, what really makes America great is that you don't have to know anyone. That you don't have to be really smart. You can just be a mediocre, regular guy who's even lazy and live a life here in America better than 99% of the rest of the world. You can get a job at a Burger King and live better than most people will in the rest of the world. And it's just unbelievable, you know, how good we have it here. Absolutely. Well, I want to ask you this. What are the conversations that we need to keep having in order to drive change and help entrepreneurs establish an omnipresence? Well, I think it's it comes down to, you know, what is the value that we that we provide? And, you know, there's a saying that says if you small, if you if you the money you charge correlates with the problem you solve. The bigger the problem, the bigger the reward, right? So what is that problem that you're solving for people? How big of a problem is it? Because you can never charge more money for something that isn't a big problem, right? Uh, so, you, you know, you just need to make sure that your, your message is on point, especially in the omnipresent world. Are you showing up intentionally in the places where your audience is? Are you driving the right message? And are you reinforcing the value that you provide to people? Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then the last question I'm going to ask you today, Jeff, but I'm sure I'll have you again back on the show, is we all know that entrepreneurs are famous for getting their own way, right? Um, yeah. In your consulting, have you seen patterns reg- regarding this? What are the most typical ways we do this to get our own way? Yes, we definitely have patterns of getting in our own way. <laughs> um, you know, I have to say I'm blessed. I'm very fortunate that I started outsourcing and delegating before it was cool. You know, like I, I outsourced very early, you know, 2013, 2014, back when it wasn't cool. Um, I started building remote teams back then. And I can tell you that the majority of my success, the reason I'm able to be on here today, the reason why that you're the only call on my calendar outside of a coaching call that, by the way, I have coaches. Okay. I have multiple coaches. So that I, so I have a team call. This here's my schedule for today. 9am. I have an all hands call for my project management team. I have six people on my project management team. Then 30 minutes after that call, I have this podcast interview for you. I have until now until three o'clock in the afternoon. So I've got, you know, another three and a half hours or so to literally do whatever the heck I want. And then my call at 3.30 is with Alex, one of my coaches who is working on our file structure. We're working on a a new change in the company to help organize our files better. Because now that we didn't have the problem, we had 30 people. Now we have 80 people on the team. It's getting a little crazy, Right. right? So basically, you know, I think that the, the, the gist of it is owning your time. I think it's really important to own your time. And entrepreneurs especially have a hard time freeing themselves up. Yeah. And I, I have something that I call ADD. Now you might be thinking, wait, hold on a second. ADD, don't we all have ADD, entrepreneurs? yes. But I've turned it into a process, which is when you have something present itself as something that, that needs to get done or maybe not, you only really have three choices, okay? You can either do that thing yourself, right? Or you can follow the ADD. The, the A stands for automation. Is this something that I can automate and remove the human element altogether? If not, can I delegate it? Can I give this to someone else to do? Right. Or if it's not worth doing, you have to delete it. Right. So you either automate something, you either delegate something or delete it. But you've got to make that choice. Right. Otherwise, you're stuck doing it yourself forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and what what I love about what you just said is that you're like, you know, I have coaches. I'm dealing with this, this, this and that. And we have a new problem now. Right. And I love that because I think that the, the quest is not to eliminate all the problems in your business. It's just to realize that if you're dealing with the same old problems over and over again, there's something fundamentally wrong with your system, right? But if you're welcoming new problems, you're probably headed the right direction. And that's the beauty of it, right? It's really is it's welcoming the new problems so that you can set the new standards, the new processes, the new systems so that you can keep growing and scaling your business. And Jeff, you're doing an amazing work with all everything that you're doing. It's been such a delight to have you here. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing all this great wisdom. And, and oh. your, thank you for sharing your journey with us, really. No, it, it's been an honor. You know, the, the last piece of advice I'd love to give anyone, even though it's unsolicited, <laughs> um, <clears throat> is that you really do need to focus and this uh, this is I wish I had somebody to tell me this sooner. I, I wish I had the right mentors and coaches like I have now. But you really need to get clear on what it is that you want to do and also what the best use of your time is. Because in the beginning of my business, I was spending a lot of time doing a lot of things I shouldn't be doing, figuring out how to, you know, I was my own secretary. I was my own accountant. I was wearing every hat in the world. You know, now I just have to switch between a few hats. I got Savage Marketer. I got Brandon Media and I have VA Staffer, right? I, I, you know, I don't have a VA Staffer hat. We're actually going through a rebrand for that company. I'm excited about. I'm going to, I'll be announcing that soon. But this is the, this is what I mean. I get to spend my time now doing this. This is the most important thing right now in my life 
is to get more visibility and reach more people and help as many people as they can. And this is a great example. This is I. She started something called Classroom Without Walls. I told you how dedicated I am to education. Mm-hmm. In, 20, in 2019, I said that in 2020, I was going to, de- to dedicate 20% of my time, right? Everything that's on the calendar, 20% of my time to furthering and advancing the future of education. Love that. And this right here is something that I donated my time to. I flew to Singapore, brought my family for two weeks to go and teach at this Entrepreneur Immersion Academy in Singapore. And it was an incredible thing. It was last December before the whole coronavirus crap. And I I constantly am going and teaching her, uh, teaching her, her group how to do certain things. I'm constantly going in front of, you know, VIP Ignite, which is a, uh, a, an online academy for talent, uh, for like singers, actresses, models, things like that, you know, how to develop their own personal brand, all these different things. And I just w- hope that you guys take real seriously what the biggest goals are in your life, because if your goals and your actions are not in alignment mm-hmm. and you feel like what you're doing isn't contributing to the bigger picture you will burn out. And trust me when I say, I've burned out many times. Now I get to wake up every day doing exactly what I want to do. And I have an incredible team of people to do everything that I don't want to do. I'm living what I call the 90-10 rule. 90-10 rule is where I live the 10% of my life that lights me up and the other 90% that doesn't, I delegate it out. And I think, you know, I think all entrepreneurs have to go through this grind for a while, right? We have to know our businesses, right? Like, and yeah. so it's part of the process. But then the question is, how long do you stay there, right? Yeah. And, and, there, and you know, you're not supposed to be there doing these things because someone else could be doing it better than you, faster than you, right? But then I see so many entrepreneurs, they just get stuck there. And they think they have to stay there, right? But you don't. And like Jeff was saying, you know, you can move so much quicker out of this, I guess, roles that doesn't really belong to you if you just get creative, right? Like, how can I do this with this amount of money? Because the biggest thing is that people say, yeah, I would hire all these people too if I had the money, right? Uh, but- I, I want to, okay, I was going to end it there, but hold on. This right here is the biggest lie, fallacy, and and usually it's because of analysis paralysis. You know what that is, right? Like people, when they don't know how to do something, they just don't do it, right? Yeah, that's too. Like they get stuck. They don't know how yeah. to get out of that thinking. Right? And, and here, here's the big fallacy. This is the lie that we tell ourselves. I'd love to do that, but I don't have the money. And let me tell you something. Every single person of my 80 plus team, I already know how they're going to make me money before I hire them. Okay. So let's, let's throw it, let's throw it out this way. If you're going to hire someone for, let's say you're hiring a virtual assistant or something. Okay. Like our, for me, we have a super affordable prices. We're like $700 to $1,400 a month, basically uh, for a part-time full-time. This is a Philippine uh, VA, that's kind of the pricing over there. And let me put it out to you that I have one person right now who makes me, I would say close to $2,700, maybe even more, maybe 3000 ish a month. Let's round up the cost and say that it's $1,500 that she costs me. So if I have someone who costs me $1,500 a month and they're making me $3,000 a month, it's no longer of, can I afford it? It's how many can I hire? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's why I've grown my team so fast. We've hired 31 people in the past 60 days. And the reason being is because they're making me money. Yeah. So the problem, you guys, is not that you don't have the money. The problem is that you don't know what you how want. to create the value and how to create the value. There you go. Love it. This is beautiful. I love that we closed with this. Um, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. To join our free Facebook group and access the links and resources mentioned in the shows and much more, go to 
sabrina-gagnon.com. That is G-A-G-N-O-N. You will become a member of a private Facebook group dedicated to providing the best practices, skills, and strategies to grow your business. And remember, we all have natural advantages that comes from our instinctive power. You are perfectly created to accomplish so much. Let's challenge the status quo and create a business and life you love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.